Did you know that in the mid-1970s, God began speaking through prophetic voices to call the people of our nation to repentance and to warn of impending disaster if we refuse to repent? And did you know He is still speaking to our nation today through prophetic voices? Stay tuned to find out who those voices are and what they are saying. Lamb and Lion Ministries presents Christ in Prophecy a program that focuses on the fundamentals of Bible prophecy, showing how current events in the news relate to biblical predictions of end-time events and the soon return of Jesus. Now, here's your host, Dr. David Reagan. Greetings in the name of Jesus, our blessed hope, and welcome to Christ in Prophecy. For those of you who are regular viewers, I'm sure you realize that I'm not in my regular seat. Instead, I'm sitting in the hot seat where our guests normally sit, and my colleague Nathan Jones is sitting in my usual seat. The change-up is due to the fact that Nathan is going to interview me about my latest book, this one entitled, God's Prophetic Voices to America. Okay, Nathan, it's all yours. Okay, well let's get in it, Dave. Another excellent book, by the way, two in one year, most impressive. You start out by saying, God never pours out His wrath without warning, because He does not wish that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. God warns in two ways, one through remedial judgments, and two through prophetic voices. So these prophetic voices that God raises up, they speak against a particular enemy. Now could you tell us who or what exactly is that enemy? Yes, um, you're right about the fact that God never pours out His wrath without warning, and He does it through remedial judgments and prophetic voices, and uh, He has certainly raised up prophetic voices in this nation, but we need to know who the enemy is. Yes. And uh, the enemy is a philosophy of man that has been around since the beginning of time, but it's uh, really a religion. Okay. I call it the religion of Satan, and it is called humanism. You find it at the garden where God says to Eve, if you will you know, take a bite of this apple, do what I ask you to do, you will become like God. And that is what humanism has taught from the very beginning. It's gone under various names, but it always teaches that, that our ultimate hope is man, not God. That man is perfectible, uh, that uh, the, the source of evil is society and not man himself. And if we could just create the right society and put man in it, man will be perfected. He'll become better and better. That we can solve our own problems. That we don't need some <laughs> mythical person like God to solve our problems. But our yes. faith needs to be put in man. That is really the fundamental aspect of humanism is to put your faith in man and not in God. I love this line you have here. The core belief of humanism is its conviction that man is capable of solving his own problems apart from any supernatural invention by right. God. So basically humanism then rejects anything supernatural including God and believes That's that right. man can go on their own. Yes, and, and you can, in the book what I do is I try in the very opening to, to get very specific about this. So I go to the Humanist Manifesto number 1 okay. which was published in 1933 and it was some of the great intellectual luminaries of America behind it. And that particular manifesto I outline in detail about how it rejects God, endorses evolution, uh, endorses man as the hope for man, and goes on and on. 
And then it was reproduced again, I think it was in 1973, the second Humanist uh, Manifesto, the third one in 2003. But this crystallized humanism in America and gave them a, a program to follow in terms of trying to infiltrate American society and do everything they possibly could to divorce us from the Judeo-Christian principles that made this nation great. One of the foremost spokesmen today, most eloquent, is a man by the name of John Dumphy, who is uh, the owner of a secondhand bookstore uh, up in uh, Alton, Illinois, I believe it is. And uh, he has been very eloquent and won essay contest after contest. I want to read one paragraph written, taken from one of his uh, essays in 2006, okay. in which he says, I don't care to live in a nation in which Genesis will someday be uniformly taught as, quote, creation science. Abortion is criminalized. Little girls are socialized for careers as housekeepers and baby machines. And homosexuality is again stigmatized as a perversion and a mental illness. I don't want an America in which the cross replaces the flag as the national symbol and the Bible becomes the law of the land. I'll tell you, these people are uh, they're, they're focused. Yes. They're determined to do everything they possibly can to undermine the Judeo-Christian principles that made this country great. And let me tell you, they have been very, very successful. Now, in the end times, it says that the love of humanism will create three particular loves that humanism... And how is that defined? Humanism is defined by a love of not yes. God, but... Yes, yes. well... Uh, all of this is a fulfillment of Bible prophecy because, first of all, Jesus says that in the end times society will become as immoral and violent as it was in the days of Noah, and we're seeing that. Yeah. But Paul really zeroed in on this in 2 Timothy 3 where he said there will be three things people will love in the end times. They will love uh, money, they will love uh, themselves, they will love uh, you know, a man, and they will love uh, uh, pleasure. pleasure. Yeah. Yes, well, the love of man is humanism. Mm -hmm. uh, that, and that's where we are is, is the... They put their faith in mankind. Anytime that is your religion, your God will always become money, and that is materialism. Humanism always leads to materialism. And then the third aspect of that is always the development of a lifestyle of hedonism, so that you, your lifestyle becomes one of seeking pleasure. Mm -hmm. So your religion is humanism, your God is money, and your lifestyle is hedonism, but God cannot be mocked. And so when that happens, there's always a payoff, and the payoff is what I call nihilism, which is simply a $64 philosophical word for despair. And that's why we find so many people in this nation today literally wallowing in despair, trying to seek the meaning of life in drugs, in sex, uh, in uh, pornography, in uh, you know, anything they can find that has tried to fill that void in their life that can only be filled by the Lord Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. So that's where we are today in this fight. It's a great cultural war that began in the uh, early part of this century that climaxed literally in the 1960s. And since that time we've been on the downhill slope because we have lost the cultural war in this nation. Oh, we have. We're, I would not even say that we're a Christian nation anymore. No, we're yeah, definitely right. a post-Christian nation. Yes, they have been very successful in that. And that's where uh, it gets me into the second aspect of the book okay. about the prophetic voices that God has raised up to speak out against this. Now, I come from a frozen chosen background. When you say <laughs> prophetic voices, are you talking about new prophecies or are you talking about, when you define prophetic for me, because I'm, I'm trying I'm talking to about voices that take the Word of God and apply it 
uh, to society. Okay. That, that is a prophetic uh, uh, work where you take the Word of God and you apply it to abortion, you apply it to uh, the debt, or the problems of society. But there are also situations where God will give somebody a vision about something that's going to happen in the future. Okay. Well, let's take a brief break at this point, and when we return, I'd like to ask you to start identifying the prophetic voices you feature in this book. Welcome back to Christ and Prophecy and my interview of Dr. David Ray concerning his newest book, God's Prophetic Voices to America. Now, Dave, you identify 13 prophetic voices, four in the past, and the rest are present. Can you please name the four? Yes, uh, the four that I identify in the past are Peter Marshall and uh, David Wilkerson, Francis Schaeffer, and believe it or not, Alexander Solzhenitsyn. <laughs> well, say that five times fast. <laughs> Tell us a little then about Peter Marshall. Who is he and what was his uh, message? Okay, well, Peter Marshall him? is the one I began with. Okay. And uh, he was one of the most eloquent preachers to ever be on the American scene. He came here when he was 25 years old from uh, Scotland. Okay. Uh, he went to a seminary in Georgia. And by the time he graduated, he was so eloquent in his preaching that he was immediately offered major positions all over the country. He ended up at the New York Presbyterian Church in Washington, D.C., which is known as the Church of the Presidents. He later, while serving that church, became the chaplain to the U.S. Senate. So he was a marvelous speaker. They even made a movie about his Oh, life, yes. Uh, uh, the Man Called Peter. And we uh, had yes. his son here. When yes. He was told. Uh, so he is quite a guy. And uh, what happened was that in 1944, okay. near the end of World War II, at the height of, of when we were becoming the great world power, he went to a church in New Orleans and delivered a phenomenal sermon. Uh, uh, trial by Fire was the name of it. It was a sermon about uh, Elijah's confrontation with the prophets of Baal. Okay. And uh, he, in that sermon he expressed a tremendous uh, anxiety and concern about where American society was going. He said this that is in he the believed. 40s. Well, yes, in, in 1944 okay. he was saying, I think okay. that we are headed toward a, a secular, paganized, materialistic society. He said, I can see, see us heading in that direction. And he said, it's going to get worse after the war when suddenly uh, people can spend their money on consumer goods, which they couldn't during the war. And he said, we're just going to move in that direction. And we need, well, he ended the, the sermon with this comment. He said, okay. we need a prophet, a prophet who will have the ear of America and say to her, how long will you halt and stand between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow Him, Yahweh. But if Baal be God, follow Him. And go to hell. <laughs> well, wow. that's yes. strong. Oh, that was strong. And, and so he called for a prophet to speak to America, and it took uh, another 30 years before and, that prophet okay, came well, who on the was scene. That? I assume and that's that prophet your was, is. of all people, David Wilkerson. I never cease to be amazed at the people God anoints for this. And he's famous for the cross and the switch, well, yes, which uh, also was a movie. Dave right? Wilkerson was, was the son of a Pentecostal pastor. Okay. Uh, he grew up in the church uh, in Pennsylvania in a rural area, really. And he felt the call of God to go to New York City, of all places. He went there, and he had tremendous experiences in ministering to gang members. Oh, it's one it, of my favorite. Yeah, books. ended up a, a, a book, The Sword and the Switchblade, which was made into well, a movie, Switchblade, became a yeah. famous person. And then in 1974, he enraged uh, the Pentecostal uh, society, uh, society in America with this book, The Vision, because it was a heavy book. It was a book about the impending wrath of God. And they were preaching at that time a great end time revival, a great uh, a revival going to sweep the nation. He said, no, it's not. It's going to be like what the Bible says. It's going to get worse and worse. And, and, and he said, I've had a vision. And, and he, he started off the book by saying, now I know people will get upset when I say I've had a vision, but he said, you've got to remember, Joel chapter 2 says, in the end time, 
times, God is going to anoint both old and young men and women and give them visions and dreams. And he said, I've had a vision. And he started off the vision in a most unusual way. He said, I want to tell you the main thing that God's going to do. He says, since, since money has become our God, God is going to touch our money. Yes. And so he started off by saying that the first thing that he saw in his vision was that a worldwide economic confusion. He says, it's not really a depression I see coming, but a recession of such magnitude that it will affect the lifestyle of every wage earner in America and around the world. And that recession occurred in 2008. And this is 1974. Mm -hmm. And he said, as a result of this recession, he said, many of the major corporations in America will declare bankruptcy. And as a result of this recession, there will be a political earthquake like we've never seen before, which is exactly what happened in 2008. As a result of that, Bush, uh, 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 Obama was elected, and we had a political earthquake in this nation. He went on to talk about an, uh, uh, an onslaught of, of smut, of filth on television and movies that would come upon our nation. And so, as a result of that, I called him a voice warning America in 19... But he wasn't the only one God raised right, up. Right, right. Get to my favorite one, because this... Yeah. Well, Francis it, Schaefer. Well, I love Francis Schaefer. Back in and college, all these we are now at the House same time. Same yeah. time, 1974. Schaefer was an eccentric guy who had uh, gone to, uh, to uh, Birkenstocks. Uh, yeah, he was a theologian, an intellectual. He had gone to uh, to Switzerland, was living there. But in the mid 70s, he felt the call of God to come back to this nation, mm -hmm. and he came back and he recorded a a documentary film that was a, a blockbuster called How Should We Then Live? Oh, yeah. And this was released across the United States. It was a tremendous attack on humanism, saying that we have become a humanistic society, that we have given our soul to materialism, that God is going to, uh, to pour out His wrath upon us if we don't repent. So, the same kind of message that Dave Wilkerson was giving. And uh, he followed it up in, in one book called the, uh, the Christian Manifesto, again in which he talked about humanism and materialism. And finally in a book called The Great Evangelical Disaster in which he talked about how the church was full of apostasy and how we were moving away from the Word of God. He was an incredible intellect. I remember well, our church hosting that video. I saw it at 14, yes. and then again we read it yes. in college. And to this day my son reads it. Very impressive. But uh, let's get to the fourth one because it's the most difficult to pronounce. But <laughs> this man is, is not only world famous, he's a Nobel Prize winning uh, author, he's a Russian novelist, but he's a Russian novelist yes. giving a warning to America? Yeah, that, that, this is probably the most surprising person in the book. People say, okay. well, what, yeah. what do you mean he's, he's a prophetic voice to America? Well, he, he, he came on the world scene in 1962 when he wrote a book about uh, one day in the life of a prisoner in the, in the prison camps, which was really one day in his life okay. because he had spent years in the prison camps. The then he became extremely world famous in 1973 when he uh, published the Gulag uh, series of books about the tremendous uh, prison camps spread all across uh, Russia. And as a result of that he won the Nobel Prize in Literature and Russia deported him in 1974. They kicked him out of the country. He wandered around Europe for a while, but of all things he ended up in Vermont, Vermont. living in, in Vermont in almost seclusion there. And he lived there for three years until 1978 when Harvard University invited him to come and give the speech at their commencement ceremonies. Harvard expected him to get up and blast communism and talk Talk about the glory of the West. He arrived a hero. He left uh, a pariah. pariah right? he what did, did he say? Because he got up and attacked American society. Okay. He said, listen, 
This society is following in the path of Russia. This society is giving its soul to money. And he said money leads to spiritual poverty. And he says uh, you, you have got to reject humanism and what humanism, this, the, the Harvard faculty was booing him during this. I mean they couldn't believe this man was attacking what they believed in. But he did. And then three years later when he was given the Temple Prize for Excellence in Religion, he gave his most powerful speech of all. And in that speech he started out by talking about when he was a child he heard, overheard people talking about what was, had happened in Russia. Here's what he said, More than half a century ago while I was still a child I recall hearing a number of older people offer the following explanation for the great disasters that had befallen Russia. Men have forgotten God. And that's why all this has happened. Was he a believer? I know the first. Oh, he was three a believer. He was an yes. He was raised in the Orthodox Church. Okay, so he returned to the church uh, later in his life, uh, and at this time he was very definitely a believer. And what he was saying to America is, "You have done the same thing that happened in Russia. You have forgotten God. You have elevated man." And he said that point blank. And you put your faith in man when your faith should be placed in God. And he said, "You're going to pay the consequences if you don't return to God." Very great and strong prophetic voice to America. Those are. Very four powerful messages. Yes, and then the second part of the book, the third part of the book, has to do with seven or nine prophetic voices God has raised up and are active in America today. Okay, well, let's take a break. We'll go back to those nine. And I'm going to go then ask Dr. Reagan to identify these nine, and we'll get into them and see what their messages are and how they're active on the scene today. Welcome back to Christ and Prophecy and my interview with Dr. David Reagan about his newest book titled God's Prophetic Voices to America. Okay, Dave, we had covered 13 prophetic voices, four in the past. Nine are actually active and working today. Could you please list nine and tell me what your favorite one is? <laughs> okay. uh, maybe you should because there's a, they're all active <laughs> well, today. But well, we'll whose see. Whose message we'll see. impacted you the most? How's that? Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, first of all, uh, I start with Donald Wildman, Don Wildman who okay. formed the American Family Association back also in the mid-70s, just as God was raising up these other voices that are now no longer on the scene. And, and it was an amazing thing. I mean, he just watching TV one night. He was a, just a pastor, country right? yeah. pastor from Tupelo, Mississippi. And he's watching TV one night, and he goes to the three major channels, which were about all you had at that time, and they all had horrible things on. And so he just got so upset that uh, he, the next day, uh, uh, wrote a little press release and sent it to the papers in Memphis, Tennessee, the biggest city close to him, and said, why doesn't everybody just turn off their TV sets for a week? And suddenly, as he said, the Associated Press must not have had anything to do that day because the next thing he knew his phone was ringing off the hook and people were calling him all over the nation saying, we're going to turn our TV sets off for a week. And bang, the whole thing began. He resigned as a pastor, began this ministry, and he's been on the front lines ever since then. He is God's voice crying for decency in this nation. His son has now succeeded him, but Don Wildman is still writing. Uh, another one I mentioned is Erwin Lutzer, who is a Canadian who uh, came to America and became the pastor of the great Moody Church in Chicago. And I call him a voice emphasizing the evil of man. You see, one of the fundamental cornerstones of humanism is a belief in the goodness, goodness of man. Of man yeah. The Bible says, no, 
that the heart of man is is just horribly uh, uh, you know corrupt and that uh, we cannot we have to realize that and we should not put our, our our trust in anyone except God himself but no humanists say no we're basically good so he emphasizes the evil of man and he has done that powerfully in his sermons and his books oh, yeah. then yeah. david jeremiah one of the best known preachers oh, yes. in america yeah I love his uh, he's a voice decrying rebellion he he wrote a book about i i can't believe what's going on i never thought i'd live to see the day when and he just lists one thing after another after another that have happened in this society as we have become more humanistic and materialistic. Then Bill Koenig. Bill is a, a businessman from, uh, from uh, uh, Phoenix, Arizona who came to Dallas as a real estate developer, uh, had a converge, radical conversion experience here. He had gone to church all his life, but it was churches that didn't believe anything. Mm-hmm. And suddenly he finds out that God is real. He gives his life to Christ and the Lord anoints him immediately with a voice to speak out concerning Israel. And so I call him the voice of warning concerning Israel. Where does he focus? He's in the White House, right? Yeah, he is now a full-time White House correspondent in Washington, D.C. of all things. So he has the voice of the President, the ear of the President. And so he uh, really is one speaking out, warning this nation that we better treat Israel right or God will really destroy this nation. And then there's Jan Markell, who is a Messianic Jew, a good friend of ours. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jan is uh, a, a tremendous spokesman for the Lord. She is in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and she has a ministry called Olive Tree Ministries. I call her the voice denouncing apostasy. Being an, uh, an Orthodox, I mean, a, a Messianic Jew, of course, she's concerned about Israel and she writes a lot about Israel, but mainly her focus today is on the apostasy in the church and how the church is being destroyed by the emergent church movement and how the church has wandered away from the fundamental doctrines of the faith and the weakness of the church is resulting in the weakness of our society. So prophetic voices can be male and female. Oh yes, absolutely. And then Albert Moeller Jr. Uh, oh yeah, my boy, old president. A very tough Southern. read. Albert yeah. Moeller, I, I tell you, uh, trying to read his articles and his books uh, was a real challenge He's for me a super because he is yeah. a great intellect. Mm-hmm. And I called him a voice confronting intellectuals. He's God's voice confronting intellectuals. Somebody has to confront the intellectuals in this nation. And, and so uh, God is using him mightily. He's considered to be the foremost spokesman for evangelical Christianity in America. He's the one that the press usually goes to if they want to get an evangelical uh, perspective. And he is very good at that. And we, he's very needed, but the average person would not be able to understand most of what he's saying. Take one of his classes. But uh, then, uh, oh, okay. <laughs> and then Franklin Graham, man, yes. he's one of my oh, heroes wow. of the faith. This is the guy who's on the cutting edge. He's out there uh, fighting humanism with everything he's got. He, unlike his father, who who uh, really wanted to be liked by everyone and who was a great evangelist, but not a prophetic speaker, he is the exact opposite. Okay. Uh, he's on the cutting edge. He says things that just drive people up the wall. He they, led prayer in all fifty oh, states, right? I mean, in the he, last uh, election. I, I I believe with all my heart that one of the reasons that Trump was elected, one of the main reasons was because this man, Franklin Graham, said, I'm going to go to every state in the nation and we're going to hold a prayer meeting at the state capitol and we're going to pray for God to spare this nation from from the from his wrath because we are literally begging for the wrath of God. Like Moses did for the Israelites, yeah. Franklin Graham. And I think that's one of the reasons Trump was elected was because Franklin Graham was out there on the front line saying, okay. and, and he said very clearly, he says, hey, 
I don't believe our hope is Republicans. I don't think our hope is Democrats. Our only hope is Jesus Christ. We must put our hope in Him and we must pray for God to have some mercy on this nation. Amen. So he wasn't out there campaigning for Trump. Okay. And then Robert Jefferson. Robert Jefferson, another good friend of us. And and this ministry, a wonderful man of God. And uh, Robert Jefferson is a voice warning of impending judgment. He gave one of the greatest speeches I ever heard on this at one of our conferences in past years. I've heard him give that many times. But it's it's a it's a he's just saying exploding building. Yeah, right. he, he's talking about how the the uh, the this nation has dug its own grave primarily through Supreme Court decisions, one after another, after another, after another. And he says these are little implosions going off, and the big mm-hmm. impending destruction is coming, like blowing up a building. You blow this one, this one, and then there's a where that little silence. Yeah, See, and I then all of a sudden that it starts the building coming, starts down. coming down. And then the final voice I meant. Uh, mentioned is one of the most controversial in America oh, today, yes. and that's Jonathan Kahn, who is a Messianic uh, rabbi from uh, New Jersey, a voice declaring impending destruction. He's saying that we, you know, we've gone beyond the point of no return; that we're uh, on the point of of really uh, experiencing the destruction of God. So these are the voices that I mentioned—the nine that are active today. What I do in each chapter is give you some background about the, them and their life, where they came from, and then I give you. Uh, snippets of what they are saying today and summarize all that. Well, it's a book full of biography. It's great stories, a great read. Dave, I want to read one particular paragraph that you leave us with about the cause of why humanism is so prevalent today. You say, it was not due to the attacks of the secularists, the humanists, the atheists, or the sexual libertarians. No, it has been due to the failure of the church to preach the gospel, call people to repentance, and stand for righteousness. In short, the church has sought popular approval and in the process it's gotten in bed with the world. Yeah, yeah. Is that why we have humanism Yes, the, so the church is, is seeking the, church. the approval of the world. <clears throat> and uh, Jesus was constantly persecuted and He said anybody who stands for me and stands for my word is going to be persecuted. They're not going to be liked by the world. And yet mm-hmm. the church wants to be liked by the world. So the church rolled yeah. over, <laughs> fell asleep, and then humanism rose. And I end the book with a chapter entitled, Is America Doomed? In which I, I try to, I summarize a, a lot of what was said, and I put in my own opinions. And basically, I, I point out that yes, God has given us a window of opportunity with uh, with President Trump, but He's given us that before with Reagan. Oh yeah. And yet, as soon as Reagan was out of office, we picked up where we left off and and accelerated, accelerated in our deterioration in this nation. And I expect that to occur when Trump is out of office, because <clears throat> you know people say, well. No, we're, we're going to change our course. I don't think so at all. And, really? and let me okay. and let me point out some things that people forget. After the most ungodly administration in American history, Obama left office with a sixty percent approval rate. After the most ungodly administration in American history, his successor, his designated sister, Hillary Clinton, got three million more votes than Trump. After the most ungodly administration in history, the millennials, the hope of our nation, the future of our nation. 19 to 20, uh, uh, 18 to 29 year olds supported an out and out socialist and voted overwhelmingly for Hillary. But even worse, the Barna polls are showing that only 9% of Americans have a biblical view, a biblical worldview. 9%, and only 17% of those who profess to be Christians. We have evangelicals saying, Jesus sinned. There's no such thing as Satan. Well, fortunately, there are nations during the Millennial Kingdom. Hopefully, America can go through the fires of the Tribulation and be a nation again. But you're saying definitely not in this day and age. No, but I'm saying that that there is good news. The good news is the rapture of the the church. church. The good news is that Jesus is still available for those who don't know Him. There is hope for both believers and unbelievers.
That's a powerful message, Dr. Reagan. Well, that's our program for this week's folks. I hope it's been a blessing to you, and I hope you will order a couple of copies of Dr. Reagan's newest book, one for yourself and please, one for your pastor. He needs to hear this message. I hope, too, that you'll be back with us again next week, the Lord willing. Until then, this is Nathan Jones speaking for Lamb and Lion Ministries saying, Look up, be watchful, for our redemption is drawing near. I want to personally urge you to get a copy of my newest book titled, God's Prophetic Voices to America. This is my 16th book, and I consider it to be the most important one I have ever written. It presents summaries of the prophetic messages of 13 people whom God has anointed to point out the sins of our nation and call us to repentance. Those people include four from the past and nine who are currently speaking out, warning our nation that we are headed for destruction if we do not repent. The voices of the past include Peter Marshall, David Wilkerson, Alexander Solzhenitsyn, and Francis Schaeffer. And the current voices include Don Wildman, Jan Markell, Albert Moeller, and Jonathan Kahn, among five others. This is a book with a very urgent and vital message that both you and your pastor need to read. We can provide it to you for a gift of $20 or more, including the cost of shipping. And since we are very anxious to get the book into the hands of pastors, we will ship you two copies of it for a gift of $30 or more, including shipping. If you desire the special offer of two copies, ask for offer number 780. You can place your order by calling the number on the screen Monday through Friday between 8 a.m. and 5 p.m. Central Time, or you can place your order through our website at lambline.com. Thank you for joining us on today's Christ in Prophecy, a presentation of Lamb and Lion Ministries, a non-denominational ministry dedicated to teaching the fundamentals of biblical prophecy and proclaiming the soon return of Jesus. 